Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's drill down on topics worthy of discussion. Yeah, I'm just jumping the gun there. Uh, Buddy's delaying me. I'm like a rocket sled on rails. I can't wait to get at you. Uh, And it's all for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. Joining us, as he does every midweek, Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister here in Ontario. How's Ernie? I'm great. I'm chuckling away, having listened to Mark Stein on the radio before. He always brings it, as do you. And John Turley-Ewart. Risk management consultant specializing in capital markets, extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. How's John? Uh, very good. Looking forward to the roll up the rim season. It'll give me something to do while watching the Leafs lose. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's come to That's that, sort of has it? <laughs> I was going to say, Mr. Excitement there, uh, you're a real live wire. You are, Johnny. And Dan Moulton rounding out the panel. He's the vice president in Crestview Strategies Toronto office, a liberal strategist and media commentator. How's Dan? I'm doing well, John. Good. Now, uh, as we speak, uh, it might have already concluded, but the premiers were having a conference call on this whole just thing. Just ended. Just ended? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. All right. Uh, well, that newfangled thing that you're following there, I, I've got to do uh, <laughs> due diligence and attention to what we're doing right here. And I'm going to ask you about this because Premier Legault from Quebec was one who was, uh, I'm guessing, a firebrand in that uh, meeting or the call. He was talking about a call to action that an ultimatum ought to be given federally and uh, followed up with a coordinated police action if necessary. Ernie, is that prudent? Because Justin is counseling patients here in dialogue. Well, this whole exercise is, has been terribly handled, in my opinion. I mean, first of all, why did it take the federal government more than 12 days to even think about having a meeting anywhere? And if the prime minister thought this was so important, he probably should have had his buns back here on, on day two as opposed to day 14 of the crisis that he thinks is so important to the country. You don't leave important things to the country till the 14th day before you, as the Prime Minister, decide to show up and start doing something about it. Look, I know he had a trip planned to Africa, and he's out there lobbying for votes for the Security Council, but you have to ask yourself, what's more important, that or this? That's a big change from last week, Ernie. Seven days ago, you had a different tune to sing, I think, talking about maybe the Prime Minister not being the right person to personally intercede in this kind of affair. Uh... Prime Minister isn't exactly, in my opinion, a traffic cop. And so I think that obviously there's a question about uh, the risk that these ongoing blockades are putting to our economic situation, certainly particularly in certain parts of Canada when it comes to heating fuel. I think we have to worry about those things. But I'm not sure it's the Prime Minister's responsibility to personally show up at these sites and try and clear the railroads. I think that there's a delicate balance in these situations. Not at these sites, but somebody is going to have to sit down and talk to Aboriginal leaders about this. And obviously, in his absence, nobody else in the government either he thought was capable of doing because he didn't ask them to do it until day 12. Day 12 was the first time he sent a minister to a site to talk to Aboriginal people. So you can't have it both ways. It's either a very important issue or it's not. If it's not important, he may as well still be in Barbados, uh, you know, 
or did it gain in importance? But I mean, the ante get up, uh, and we saw it again today, a thousand temporary layoffs with Via Rail. It was last Thursday, I guess, that Via pulled the plug on coast-to-coast service. So, I mean, the thing has been ratcheted up as far as the uh, pressure on, I guess, all parties is concerned. So, you know, to the point, was it necessary for the Prime Minister to lend whatever cachet or reservoir of goodwill he has uh, with the Native communities early on, sooner rather than later, John? Well, you know, I think it was a miscalculation on the Liberal government's part about how serious uh, this would uh, become. I think most people uh, in their uh, cabinet are probably surprised this is still going on. Uh, I think if they had envisioned that it had, would go on this long, and in particularly put uh, Quebec in a difficult situation when it comes to propane, uh, the Prime Minister probably would have been home sooner. So there were some miscalculations there. Uh, I don't disagree with Dan that the, the Prime Minister is not... Uh, you know, a, a cop to be on on the railway tracks. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, the prime minister has spent uh, a lot of political capital trying to build relations with uh, Aboriginal communities. Maybe he felt that he had more capital than he actually has. And now he's come home to realize that uh, no one really gives a damn about what he has to say. Well, I think there's also, if I could, John, I think there's also a need to be cautious here in the sense that if the federal government appears to show up uh, and concede to the demands of anybody who stops a train on the railroad tracks, uh, you kind of lose credibility as the federal government, right? I think there's a, you know, there's an adage from movies about negotiating with terrorists. Like you have to be cautious here about uh, your approach to responding to this kind of action because too extreme a response from the federal government would only communicate to indigenous communities across the country that if the only way to get the federal government to the table or to, to strong action is to shut down the railroads. But but it's also important to be clear that we're not talking about Oka here. And if you're, you know, you're looking at who are doing the protests, um, it's not simply Aboriginals uh, or Mohawks. It's an awful lot of other people, environmentalists and everything else, that are showing up on the tracks to lend their support to the small, small number of band members out in BC who oppose this gas line. So, you know, we're, we're you know, I agree with you. You don't, you don't uh, let it continue. But on, on the other hand, let's not misrepresent what we have here. Uh, you know, Ernie and I were talking earlier about an interview with the Mohawk earlier today asking him what he was protesting. He wasn't protesting the, the gas line in B.C. He was gr- protesting historical grievances, which is completely different. So there, there, there is not a coherence to, to a lot of the protests that we have happening right now. This is not OCA 2.0. This is something really quite different that is being wound up in environmentalism. And frankly, the people who are being victimized are the 95% of, of, the, of the band out in B.C. that needs that money to help build schools, to ensure that they have proper infrastructure and that their kids have a future. I think the central question, I might have raised this last week, uh, you know, so this thing continues on in the same regard. What is the rule of law all about if it can't be uh, enforced, number one? And when you've got Legault, I'll just toss this in because John mentioned Quebec. Uh, If it had been somebody in Quebec being disadvantaged, perhaps the response from the prime minister would have been expedited. Uh, He says, you know, there ought to be a federal ultimatum uh, and enforced by a coordinated police action if necessary. Ernie, is he on the right track? Well, I would agree with the Prime Minister to this extent. This is not an easy issue to deal with. There's no doubt about it. And there are some inherent issues that go back 143 years in the case of British Columbia. And they don't have treaties as the rest of the country does. I get all that. 
But when you have a particular First Nation or Indigenous group that, as John said, where 90 to 95% of them agree with the pipeline going through and five hereditary chiefs disagree, you can't ever accept that you can't do anything unless you get 100% agreement on everything. I mean, nothing would ever get passed. Nothing would ever get done. Tell me the last time the legislature voted 100% in favor of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen. It's not in our democratic system. And so I think that is where the, the crux of this issue is. And whether it's, you know, I would suggest that perhaps the indigenous people can help themselves in this regard somewhat uh, by getting together out in British Columbia and deciding what their position is. Surely they don't think that five individuals or five groups can hold up the entire thing for everybody else who's, who are overwhelmingly in favor of it. I don't, you know, I don't belittle for one minute some of the concerns indigenous people have. At one uh, juncture in my political career, I was the minister who took care of indigenous people in the province of Ontario. I had seven First Nations in my riding, and I got along with them very well. But each one was different, and each one... You know, had a different approach and different ways to do things. And I'm, I'm all in favor of that. But if you're part of the country called Canada, you know, surely the, the Canadian laws have to be applied and they have to be respected by all people that want to be governed by them. Well, that's a key statement right at the end. All people that want to be governed by them, uh, there seem to be some outliers who don't believe that that applies to them and they have their own inherent sovereignty. And look, uh, we broached this last week. This is unceded territory. Uh, is it going to have to all be reconciled within their own communities before the rest of Canada can deal with them on a legitimate level? Yeah, I think certainly in the case of the British Columbia communities that are at the heart of the dispute around the LNG uh, facility out there, certainly there needs to be a clear understanding of the democratic leadership's authority to govern uh, the communities there, right? There, there's a, a very serious open question that uh, only the community can solve. The federal government can't solve it. The provincial government can't solve it. Only the community themselves can solve it. But let's look at the the some of the core areas where there are blockades that are stopping railroads, right? I think here in Ontario, uh, the principal one is being hand, is being undertaken by Mohawks of the Bay of Quinte, right, up by, uh, by by Belleville, and in solidarity, they say, with the the protests uh, in in British Columbia. They're not going to get off the railroad tracks unless the RCMP stop their enforcement of uh, of the injunction in British Columbia. That's what they've said, right? That's that's what's been communicated. So, assuming that the prime minister isn't going to, or then the minister aren't going to call off the RCMP's enforcing of that injunction, which is lawful and and the right thing to do, how else do you end this blockade in Belleville? Do you send the police in and remove these protesters? That's a dangerous thing to propose, and I think it's very easy for Andrew Shear and the Conservatives in Ottawa to be calling for what they're calling for uh, at the end of these protests, claiming like John just did, that it's just a bunch of lefty pinko millennials Never said it's just there. a bunch, but it is a large part. And here's the not date. In, not in Belleville. Maybe in here, the streets of here, Toronto, here, maybe in Ottawa. I, I get that. But in Belleville, the guys actually stopping the railroads are not white guys from downtown Toronto. They're, they're Mohawks, right? This is a real protest by indigenous people. So here's the, here's the danger we're getting into now. Just looking at my Twitter feed, the Twitter thingy. Uh, out in Edmonton, you have uh, a protest going on out there. And who's breaking up the camps on the railway side up there? Locals, not cops. 
You're having people actually go out to so, these uh, these camps and starting to do it on their own. Vigilanteism. And that's that's where that's where again we we break down because the law gives us process for resolving disputes. And when you know no one follows the law, what processes they're in place? This is what you worry about. You worry about people, you know, taking the law into their own hands, and it goes both ways. This is a problem. And Dan was citing something I guess he sees as being pragmatic. Uh, withdraw the RCMP from Wet'suwet'en land. No, and... I, I don't. I don't think that's pragmatic. I don't. I don't think that that's the right approach. To be clear, I I, I think that. But that's court... what you were citing, though. No, I'm saying that's what the 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 protesters here uh, from the Indigenous communities in Ontario, in solidarity with uh, their uh, their fellow Indigenous people in, in British Columbia, are saying is what will stop them from protesting here. Uh, and I, I think that if we look at that issue here in Ontario, how do we deal with it? How do we does the OPP go in? Uh, and remove these protesters from their railroad, I think it presents a lot of problems. We have a history in this province where that has gone very darkly uh, in the past. And I don't think, and I think for all the people who are claiming that the prime minister needs to show more leadership or the government needs to show more leadership, well, it's really easy to say that. But when we get into a situation when people are dying and people get killed, uh, like they have in the past, you know, I think people are on the other side of the issue pretty quickly. But here's my question to Dan. When is enough enough? A, A week from now? Two weeks from now? Three weeks from now, when is enough? When when is when do you actually draw the line and say uh, we can't negotiate anymore? Uh, you know, thousands of people are out of work. There's no propane getting into uh, Quebec. We no. don't have chlorine to. Chlorine when does it demand? Is a huge issue. I agree. I, absolutely. No. I, look, I, I'm just saying it's not an easy. There's not an easy fix here. It's very. But e- what you are saying is there are there is a time when you just have to enforce the injunctions. There ought to be. Yes, I think so. There has. All to right. Be. Well, and and it's not just Andrew Shear and a bunch of right wing nuts. It's a uh, Premier Legault in Quebec who's basically saying federal uh, ultimatum with a coordinated police action if necessary. So, Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.